Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated former lovers that explores all of the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It, it Just, just makes, makes Sense. I'm Jeff Seifert. And I'm Sam Smith. In this case, <laughs> came from a listener suggestion. Ooh. So thank you, Bree, longtime listener, big time fan. Yay. We love getting suggestions, so keep them coming. Send them in, y'all. So... A lot of this case information came from a documentary called from Dark Crimes called Murdered on Honeymoon. I will say, and I wish I would have read the comments about the documentary before I started watching it, because people were like, it jumps all over. It was so hard to like keep track of the facts of the case because they would jump from like one part of the night to like three weeks later in the trial then back to the it was really yeah so it was kind of confusing to piece it together so i try my best but it's still a pretty good story i'm sure you did fabulously you're a great guide on these stories because they had to like type it and then move it copy and paste things around so that it would like make more chronological sense. yeah yeah it was like you know those memes where you see that guy drawing like and it's on the wall like that's <laughs> yeah, what i felt like i was doing right yeah, yeah, yeah it's like the da vinci code just call me tom hanks was that tom hanks he was in that movie yeah never saw it just never call read me it. Dan, dan brown that's the author oh never read it never saw it it's a good movie and good book is it something that like i would read no exactly? not at all no. i preferred angels and demons to that one though but that's okay i roll so, <laughs> this is about Shri and Ani Devani. I think it's Annie. Annie? Whatever. They've been married just three weeks in a traditional Indian wedding when they jet-setted off to South Africa for their honeymoon. They were a young and attractive couple, both from wealthy Indian families, and they were excited to start their lives together. But just three days into their honeymoon is when the horror and tragedy begins. <gasps> But let's start with my favorite part, who they are. Okay. So Annie Devani's family lived in central Sweden in Murray Stutz. I don't know where that is. It's in Sweden somewhere. I mean, <laughs> do you know Sweden? <laughs> but like that name sounds weird. Have you been there? Sweden? Murray Stutz. I've never been to Sweden. Oh. Have right. you? No. <laughs> I've been near it. <laughs> but anyways, her family I wish. Her family were refugees from being banished from Uganda and they settled in Sweden. Oh. They were a very close family due to their experience and for the fact that they only like they were the only people there. So they only had each other. There's no other family members with them. Like their immediate family in that. Oh, family. I understand. I was like, what? Right. So they began. T- they begin to show in the documentary interviews of the family, and you could see how close she was um, with everyone. She was the youngest daughter uh, to her parents, and she was the baby, just like me. Baby. So, you know, the life Save the, the best for last. Right? So, Annie moved to Stockholm after university to work as an engineer. I know where that so is. So smart. Stockholm is in... Sweden. It's the capital. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 I was about to be like, uh, El Salvador? No, I was about to be like, is that in Germany? I don't know what I was going to say. No, because I can't remember even. It's oh, Sweden. Scotland. That's what I was going to say. No? No? All right. I can't with you. <laughs> Anyways, um, but that's where 
that's in Stockholm is when she became looking for a husband. In her mid-20s, Annie pursued this project with a passion. She flew regularly to London, where she stayed at the homes of wealthy relatives. And her maternal uncles owned the British pharmacy chain Wearmoth. And so she would spend weekends there shopping and socializing. She had made up her mind that her husband would be Indian. And London offered better perspectives than Stockholm. Like, I wish I could just jet set to a different country to find my husband. Wait. So I'm slightly confused. Mm -hmm. She's from Uganda. Mm -hmm. And she decided that she was going to marry an Indian man. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to piece that together. But she is Indian as well. But she was from Uganda. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I was following because I was a little confused. Yeah. I know. It is confusing. And then she has relatives in London. Like, they're just all over the place. Yeah. Whatever. So in 2009, during a trip to London, she met Shri Devani through mutual friends. Shri was raised in England and was a wealth was from a wealthy and respected family in the Indian community. Shri ran the family business of nursing homes. And the relationship was slow at first, but slowly Ani started to fall in love. Her family loved Devani. He fit in well, um, and their long-distance relationship grew. But in 2010, Ani resigned her job and moved to England, and within three months, they were engaged. Within three months? Yeah. The wedding was in India. And, okay, get this. Tell me. She moved to India for those three months to plan her wedding the entire time. Wait, so she only knew him for three months. So she got engaged three months. So she was dating him. She moved to England. Once she moved to England, three months later, they got engaged. Oh, then okay. she moved to India so she could plan her wedding for three months straight. Girl knew what she wanted. Could you imagine? Like, I wish I could just wedding plan for three months. Yeah. That'd be the most fun. I'd love like for it. my own, not I'd for I'd love an else. Indian wedding. They look That's so fun. That's what I fun. just said. I'm like, I wish I could do and either go to or have an Indian wedding. They look wedding. so fun. I literally wrote in all caps. They sound like so much fun. <laughs> we are twins. And people said their wedding was the biggest and wildest wedding they've ever been to. <gasps> I wish. Damn it. So three days after the wedding, she was with her sisters and they were talking about how happy Annie was and how she couldn't wait to go on her honeymoon with her husband. So they arrived. This is where it starts to get a little piecemeal. But when they arrived in South Africa on the third night of their honeymoon, Sri Devani reports that himself, Ani, and their driver were carjacked. So did you already say that? That they went to they were going to South mm-hmm. Africa for their honeymoon? Yes. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. So they went to South Africa for their honeymoon. Okay. On the third night, Sri Devani reports that himself, Ani, and their driver were carjacked by two armed gunmen while driving through the township of Google it too. Shri Devani was pushed out of the car as he begged them not to hurt Ani, and the car sped off with Ani and the driver inside. Shri then had no idea where Ani was taken or what was happening with her, so he started calling family members reporting that Ani had been kidnapped. Ani's father immediately jumped on a plane in Sweden to South Africa to provide them with whatever they wanted to get his daughter back. While on a short layover, Ani's father was contacted by Ani's sister to find out that they had found the van that Ani had been in with Ani's body in it. <gasps> His daughter had been killed. Jesus. Could you imagine having to get on the next flight knowing like no. your daughter's dead, dead? Yeah. And just sit on that flight? That that's like, the you know reason I mean? you're going there? Yeah. Oh. Now instead of trying to get your daughter back, you're just, you're just going, going to get to her recover. body. Uh. Uh. Poor man. So now this discovery of Ani's body through South Africa had a little... This caused a little bit of a tizzy, and locals were 
fucking pissed because they were so used to high crimes in South Africa and yeah. in this area that, to be honest, like killings of this kind were not abnormal. And the cops would just like kind of process them as they come, not make a big deal of it. Yeah, I remember when I can't remember when I was looking. I think it was after grad school. I was looking into going to South Africa just for a trip and the crime there is crazy. Is outrageous. Yeah. Because I think it was around the time the World Cup was there. Oh. And I think Oh, that's when I was in Germany. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And when I was in Germany, they the World Cup was there and I was like, Oh, I think it would be fun to go. Yeah. Because I figured it would be cheaper because I was already in that Right. Re- it is cheaper. Yeah. It was, mm, wasn't that much cheaper, but because uh-huh. it's still far. Right. But yeah, the crime carjacking was huge and mugging. Right. Yeah. So like this stuff happened all the time, right? right? But this time, because it was high profile, a wealthy European woman yeah. and a you know, and with her husband visiting as a tourist from town, they were there within minutes. The road was closed off. They had barriers up blocking the crime scene and they had barriers up covering the dead body, which they usually typically never do. Really? And so they were kind of like, why is she getting better treatment than your own people? Like, I get it, you know? I mean, it's high profile. Right. And reporters from South Africa were like, this never happens for us. This is like private with your local killings. This is complete privilege of this. And global news reporters were flocking to South Africa, which also never happened. So once again... It shows kind of the more money you have, the more people care. I mean, so anywho. Pretty glo- pretty, pretty global standard. Right. So now they have a local reporter from South Africa um, on the documentary. And he's saying that it just seemed a little bit off to him that this carjacking happened. So he was like a lot of times in South Africa according to him, that these carjackings were always done for a reason. Like there was a, there was a motive. They got what they needed and then they just like either the car or money, money or a phone. Doesn't typically end in murder. But they don't just like kill somebody and then like leave the car and the person and all of their belongings. Like you and I mean, like nothing was, it there were still up. things left on her. Things were taken, but not everything. Like it just didn't seem right but the south african police were moving quickly once ani's body was discovered they knew there was global media watching them and they wanted to do this case right so immediately they had three people in custody devani's shuttle driver robert zoltanga which they start referring throughout this case is just tonga okay just so you know robert zoltanga who was um who was also though supposedly the third victim right he was part like they hijacked the the car and left him in it And he assisted um, police with the investigation. He helped them find the hijacking vehicle or the hijacked vehicle. But a week after they found the body, he turned himself in. Really? And the police had had a strong idea that he was involved. But his friends and family were confused because they were like, Tonga would never do something like this. So he was during the day an executive shuttle he was a driver for an executive shuttle service for like tourists. But in his spare time, he would borrow his girlfriend's car and shuttle tourists from the airport to wherever they needed to for extra cash. Smart. I like it. He had no prior criminal record. Awesome. He was also taking care of his sister, his mom, and his girlfriend. So he had just like a lot on his plate and was trying to make as much money to survive yeah. pretty much at this point, right? But Tonga was then brought into high court to reveal what he knew and his involvement in the crime. Tonga's statement to the court is the first time that Ani's was this is the first time that Ani's family would actually hear and know what the fuck actually happened that night. Okay. So in exchange for his testimony, 
He'll face a lighter sentence, obviously. However, in South Africa, they consult with the family on what the sentencing should be, and the family has to approve it. But, like, is that the same in the U.S.? Or no? Uh, If it's a plea deal, they generally, the victim's families have, uh, like... A say in it, right? I'm not sure that they have a say in it. The only reason I know this is presented to them. Yeah, because I feel like I saw it, I see it on Law and Order SVM. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, we usually, that's our frame of reference for crime. But yeah, no, I usually think that there's some presentation to the family before it's accepted or presented. Right. So I think there's some, some crossover there. Okay. So, anywho, Ani and Sri were actually not legally married yet. They had really? only had their traditional Indian wedding, so but it wasn't like official. They never followed oh, through with the paper. You know what okay. I mean? They just kind of did the. So they didn't have the marriage phase. license yes. or whatever. Yeah. So it was actually Ani's father that would decide the fate of the plea bargain. So Tonga confessing to be involved in this botched carjacking. However, the bombshell announced in the court of law. What? Tonga says, yes, he was involved, but it was Sri Devani Set with the up. mastermind behind his own wife's murder. What the fuck? Why did he marry her? Why did, well, so this is what they were thinking. The Devanis arrived in South Africa and they spend the first night of their honeymoon in a game lodge that they're staying at. But the second night they decide to go into Cape Town. Instead of using the dedicated hotel shuttle to get them around, Shri opts for a local shuttle taxi at a cheaper rate. So Tonga ended up shuttling them around and back to their hotel, which is one of the, where, what they were staying at was the highest priced hotel in Cape Town. (gasps) So the first time Tonga drops him off at the hotel, Ani goes inside and Shri asks Tonga to wait for him. He goes inside quickly, but then returns back to him and said he wanted his wife killed. Tonga said he didn't have, he's like, okay, but I don't, what do you want, what do you want me? me to do? He's yeah. like, I don't have the resources to carry off his request. But he's like, I might know someone who may be able to do this. Okay. That person was Monday Balumbal. Okay, you guys know, I I can't handle anything <laughs> outside of like. John Smith, Mary yes. Jones. And so I'm trying my best, all right? That's all I'm going to say. Monday Balumbal. I'm calling him Monday. <laughs> I can't with you. (laughs) He was a receptionist at another hotel. And Tonga left the Cape Town Hotel, goes to Monday. And Monday contacts another man. There's like so many people Okay, so what is it about a hotel concierge that can find you Uh, a hitman? Anybody. Like the, um, the, I can't think. (laughs) House of Gucci, the murder. It's the guy from the hotel. Because you want to know what? They see everything. They see everything. They know it all. You know know. what I mean? They're kind of like doormen. Like they know everything. People think they aren't hearing it, but they Right, right. So this, so Monday contacts a man named Kwabi, and he was going to help them. They, first of all, they accept this amount. $15,000 for the death of Ani. That's it? That's it? Okay, they're, grand. they're staying at the richest fucking right. hotel in Cape like Town. Thirty grand a night. Seriously, fifteen grand. That you got to do better than that, buddy. No way. They accept. It's probably. I don't. I shouldn't say it's probably a lot for them, but it might be. Who like, knows? You know what I mean? Who knows? So the next morning, Shri went to a jewelry store to convert his money to local currency. During this time, Ani's father calls Ani, but it's Shri who answered the phone, and t- he told them like everything was fine. They're just in the marketplace exchanging money, and. Ani's father asked to talk to Ani, but she wasn't with him, and he promised to have her call her back. 
Ani finally does call him back and they she only says, had one phone. This uh, sounds sketchy to right? me. Right? She says, we're here. It's so lovely. Cape Town is amazing. Um, she she even said, like, I think we're going to try to buy a flat here. Like, it's so beautiful. We wow. love it. I'm like, wow, I need to go. So while Shri was um, with Zola exchange, or Tonga exchanging money, it was Shri that said a hijacking should be staged to cover up the murder since he knew, like, the high crime sure. throughout South Africa. It was common. So we returned to talk with the two other people involved, um, Tonga, and they determined how they're going to make this happen. When Tonga went to go pick up Monday, he informed them that they, Monday informed him that he was going to use a third person, Kwabi. And, oh wait, there's two people, Kwabi and Kolilan. So they, Kwabi and Kolilan agreed to take part for, they were going to take the most of the money, 10 grand, because they're the ones that were going to like go actually take the car and kill them. Like Monday and... Um, Tonga were just the people in between. You know what I mean? Like setting yeah. it up. They'll deliver the people, but Kwabe and Colleen were going to kill them. So Tonga arrives with Shri, uh, arranges with Shri when they'll pick up the couple that night and like where they would go and when the high, when the carjacking would take place. So he drives the couple in the direction of Google Earth. Okay, I don't something crazy. And it was here that the hijacking was going to take place, but something went wrong and the men weren't ready at that time. So Tonga just kept driving them, um, driving them further along, and he took them to a place about 40 minutes from the city center called Strand. And that's where the couple had dinner at a local um surfside restaurant. So can you imagine just like having dinner with your wife, knowing like you're oh, about in to an kill her. hour you're gonna be dead? Isn't that crazy? I mean, I'm not a killer, so no. <sighs> and I'm gay, so it would be my husband. So now the hitmen arrive and a carjacking begins. The Dewanis were made to lay down in the backseat of the car and Tonga was shoved to the passenger seat. Tonga claims that him and Shri then kept pretending that they were being hijacked, obviously, and they traveled for a short distance, but then they stopped and forced Tonga to get out of the car and they took off with Shri and Ani. Tonga runs to the police sta- police station to make a statement that he was hijacked and that Shri and Ani were in the car. The hijackers then robbed Shri of his money, wallet, designer watch, and mobile telephone and then ejected him from the vehicle. A bystander nearby then helped him to call the police. At 7.50 a.m. the next morning, Ani Duwani was found in the back of the taxi. She suffered a single gunshot wound to the neck, and she was missing a Giorgio Armani watch, a white gold and diamond bracelet, her handbag, and a black bear was missing. The items stolen had been estimated value of $6,229. So they did steal something. Yes, yeah. It was revealed post-mortem that she had bruising on her inner leg, but it was revealed that she... And so it was revealed that she had been involved in a struggle, but there was no signs of sexual assault. So a lot of people were like, well, if they didn't take as much, like it was assumed that they did it Raped to her. rape her. But there's no signs of a sexual assault. Now, after Shri was pushed out of the car, he did call Ani's father to tell him that she had been kidnapped. And Ani's father remembers it being odd. Like Shri kept saying, I'm so sorry, couldn't. Like, I couldn't pr- take care of your daughter. I couldn't protect her. I couldn't do these things. And in his head, like, in Ani's father's head, he was like, it's fine. Like, we'll get there. I'll pay them whatever they want. We'll get her back. No worries. And he just kept saying, like, I'm so sorry that this happened, that I couldn't take care. Like, uh, but at the same time, I feel like I would say the same thing. Like, you know what I mean? Even if she had been kidnapped, I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I couldn't protect her. Like, that she got taken. But he's just yeah. said it seemed weird. 
I mean, maybe he was thinking about it in retrospect. Who knows if he actually thought that really in the moment. Right, that's what I mean. I was like, I don't find it that weird yeah. that he would like say that. Yeah, I agree. So Ani's father arrived the next day at the hotel, and he thought that Shri's behavior was a little off. So Ani's father's name is Vinod, and he told Shri that he was going to go to the morgue to um, view his daughter's body. And... Shri was kind of like, no, dad, like you can't go and see her today. She's all like she's drained out. They have to pump liquid into her body to get her freshened up. And the comment struck Vinod as like oddly cold hearted. Like he was just like, no, sorry, the body's not ready. It has to be drained. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Um, but he put it out of his mind and he said that um, like Shri didn't seem upset, just very like business like. He was busy on his laptop making the funeral arrangements and communicating with his friends in Bristol and London. Now, I thought this was really weird. Okay. On Tuesday morning, Vinod finally made plans to go to the morgue and to see her, 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 his daughter's body and asked Shri to join him. And he was like, sorry, I can't come. Shri couldn't come? Right. The husband. And Vinod assumed Why? that- Why? What else were you doing? Well, he assumed that like- Shri wanted to grieve alone in the hotel, uh, but later he found out that he had gone to get a haircut and to buy a new suit. Well, I mean, I now, now, differently. Okay, yeah, now knowing but, that he had her killed, but in the moment, you're like, like ever- did he? That's like the thing that's going to come up. Oh. Did he? But like, mm? oh. I still think it's weird. I mean, I don't think it's weird. Mm, yes. Okay. Everyone wow. grieves differently. Wow. So now at this time, Tonga was working with the police on his confession. I mean, but- if you died, I would be wearing a black veil and... For for life, I would not after like a day. You should be in black forever. But I would be parading around town, sobbing, throwing yourself like on every fucking. Because I'd want people to ask me what what was wrong, and I would say my soulmate, the love of my life, is dead. I can't go on. So people grieve differently. I like I just picture you like at a bar thrown across the bar top, but then when someone's like, Oh my god, you need a drink, you're also like, I'm sober. sober. I'm grieving. I'm sober. Like just screaming. (laughs) Okay, okay. Get back on track. This isn't about me. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely would. So anyways. How dare you? (laughs) Sam wouldn't want that. So, anywho, at this time, Tonga was working with the police on his confession. But, like, Ani's family doesn't know that what he's going to say in court, right? right? So, he doesn't know that Shri was involved. And, um, but Vinod was already starting to think that Shri's behavior was becoming, like, increasingly bizarre. Shri had re- recounted the events to several newspapers, and Vinod had noticed inconsistencies between the stories. Okay, now so, he's a detective. Go, Dad. <laughs> go, Dad. In his first interview after the attack, Shri had told the reporters from the Daily Mail that it was Ani's idea to visit the township. But in an interview with The Sun the following week, he said it had been Tonga's idea to take the side trip to see some African dancing, and that the Diwanis had been skeptical about the plan. At first, Shri had said that he he was thrown out of the vehicle's rear door while the car was moving. But in the Sun interview, he said they couldn't get me out because of the child locks were activated. So they ended up dragging me, struggling and screaming out the window. The Daily Mail had quoted unnamed sources saying that the police were puzzled over how and if either of those things had happened. And Shri had no visible injuries after the attack. 
So like he was just saying all these things happened during the attack that like never there's no signs that didn't happen. Yeah. So for Tonga's uh, um, what they gave Tonga for his confession is he received 18 years in prison, prison, contingent to him testifying truthfully against Dewani in any future legal proceedings. Everyone that Tonga claimed had been involved in the plan confessed immediately, which is like wild. Police singing like an air, right? Police would later extract a confession from Kwabi that corroborated and expanded upon Tonga's re- recollection of the crime. Kwabi recounted that Malumbo. Monday, had called him on Friday evening after the Diwanis arrived at the hotel and told him that a job needed to be done. Later, Tonga told me that he'll bring a couple into the township and that the husband wanted the wife killed. The husband wanted the job done that same Saturday. But now here's the thing that kept coming up in court. Like, what was the motive? Why did Shri do it? Yeah, it doesn't, right. it doesn't make any sense. By the time Tonga, but here's the thing too, by the time Tonga gave himself up to the police, Shri had already returned to London. So South African police had to issue a warrant for his arrest. He voluntarily handed himself over to British authorities and was released on a $2,000 pound bail. He claimed his innocence on this whole thing. And he kept saying like, why would I be involved in my own wife's murder? Now, the South African police said that they had recovered phone records indicating that text messages had indeed passed between Tonga and Shri while they were on the highway. The police recovered closed-circuit television footage from the Cape Grace lobby taken three days before the murder that showed Shri handing Tonga a white plastic package said to the police containing $1,000 rand, which was partial payment they claimed for Tonga's role in setting up the murder. The only thing missing was a motive, right? There had been there had been no insurance policy, no will, nothing to uh, suggest that Shri had been interested in financial gain, and almost everybody who knew the couple talked about how their deep affection for each other. No one had seen signs of discontent on his part. But then we get some motive, baby. What is it? A man named Leopold Les- Lizer shows up. What? Lizer was a male escort from Munich. From Shot. how do you say Munich? M- Mun- Germany. <laughs> yeah, Munich. Munich, <laughs> known professionally as German Master. His website featured a photo of himself unshaven and wearing leather gear and a police cap, biting down on a huge cigar, asking, "Are you ready for total domination?" What? <laughs> He had seen Shri's photograph in the newspapers, and he called the police immediately, recognizing him as a former client. Within days, Lizer had reportedly sold an interview to London Sun tabloid in which he claimed he had three paid sessions of kinky sex with Shri the months before his wedding. Shri denied knowing Lizer and threatened to sue him and the Sun for defamation. And I mean, at the time, it doesn't really seem that credible that like this leather daddy would just emerge out of nowhere and like extract a payday from a tabloid. Like, you know what I mean? It seemed a little less than credible. But a few weeks later, a 53-year-old political aide in Parliament paid a, vid- paid a visit to British investigators working on the case and told them that he, too, had had several sexual encounters with Shri. The rendezvous point was a gay fetish club in London called The Hoist. He had come forward, he said, because he was outraged by Shri's denial of his own sexuality. The oh. man told the detectives that Dewani was submissive and he enjoyed sadomasochism and dressing up in leather. 
In February, the South African legal team seeking Shree's extradition told magistrates court in London that they obtained an affidavit from significant witnesses identified in the press as Lyser, who had agreed to testify that Shree had been unhappy about his upcoming marriage. Shree had told Lyser that, um, the, oh wait, no, Shree had told him that Although she was a nice, lovely girl who he liked, he could not break out of the proposal to get married because he would be disowned by his family. Got it. The South African attorney told the court he went on to say the witness said he needed to find a way out of the marriage. Mm. Shreen was terrified by the possibility of being exposed as a homosexual and the and of the scandal that might ensue. If Ani knew that he was gay, she would have left him. And if she found out during the honeymoon, he would have panicked. Also, it needs to be noted, Shreen was engaged before to another woman, but the engagement had ended due to petty family fights, um, apparently. And now Shree could argue that a failed marriage, knowing his earlier broken engagement, could well have destroyed his reputation within his close-knit community. Now, what I want to know is, they were on day three, mm-hmm. and that's when he had her killed. Uh-huh. Did they not have sex before that? I mean, gay men can still have sex with women. Uh, true. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess. It's not like. Speaking I, from experience. <laughs> yeah. You just go blasted at the sight of a vagina. Like, you know what I mean? Like, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry. Seem to work in some places. Yeah. Speaking. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb question. God! Do uh, you like how I you? I'm like, uh, are you really going to ask that? Do I need to repeat the title of this podcast? The opening? <laughs> oh, man. So, man, anywho, he, wanted, he didn't want to destroy his reputation with his close-knit, deeply conservative British Indian elite. So, maybe his panicking and desperation Desperation? Maybe he was panicked and desperate <laughs> to preserve appearances that he decided to kill Ani rather than face the humiliation of a divorce. Oh. The marriage is supposed to be perfect. It, they're coming from a religious family. They're very involved in society. Shri could not have come out openly that he was gay. Which, like, that's sad. Very sad. That's sad. Then he had to resort to exactly. killing this poor right. girl. Because he and a, liked but a, a friend, little date. Yeah. A friend came forward and described a phone call with Ani three weeks before their wedding where Ani was in tears and said that she threw the ring at him and called the whole thing off. She was sick of how Shri berated her about petty things, not folding dirty laundry clothes before tossing them in the laundry basket. Who folds what? dirty laundry? Fold dirty laundry. Okay, psycho. Eating ice cream and other sweets. Listen. Leaving her belongings before the scattered wedding? about the room. Like... I would have left your ass a week in. You're going to tell me not to eat it from a jar of peanut butter? Absolutely not. <laughs> I will have ice cream if I fucking want to. Like, absolutely not. Uh. But Ani seemed to calm down and the wedding went forward. A lot, as the investigation was going further, a lot of things just were not adding up. For example, one big thing that kept coming up in court during these trials was the fact that Ani showed no signs of sexual assault. So why did the carjackers separate Ani and Shreyan? Like, why, if you're not, like, they kept thinking, like, if these men were really going after her for rape or sexual assault, why would they separate, or just for robbing them, why would they separate right. the two of them? Why wouldn't they kill them both? Sure. Because now Shri has seen their faces, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? And if they're not, if they weren't going to sexually assault the wife, which does kind of make sense, I guess. I don't know. So on February 20th, 
An ambulance was called to the house at Westbury on Trim. Shree had taken an overdose of sleeping medication and was in serious condition. He was diagnosed with severe depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and committed to the prior hospital in London, a mental health and addiction rehabilitation facility. Oh. Huh? I said, oh. I know. Popular with British celebrities. Oh, Why am I not there? Like Three. Hugh Grant? After, ah! Like after he got caught in the, in the John with the, the, the transgender hooker? I love him. He could do no wrong in my eyes. I mean. Honestly. I, go for it. Go for it. You do you, baby boo. Three days later, a news article by Newling appeared in London's Daily Express. It was different from his earlier stories, and this time written in first person and betraying a barely concealed sense of outrage. The headline read, Why I Believe Sri Dewani is Innocent. On the evidence I have seen, not only is Dewani unlikely to have killed his wife, but he could be a victim of an injustice. Newland argue, argued that it seemed highly unlikely that any criminal court, British or South African, would agree with the prosecutor's theory of the case. The state witnesses were all hopelessly compromised. Zola Tonga was a self-confessed liar, Newling wrote, who had admitted to obstructing justice by misleading the police and had had seven years of dropped from his sentence in exchange for his helpful testimony. The other witnesses had all been offered immunity from punishment in exchange for their testimony corroborating the prosecution's story. There could have been a perfectly innocent explanation for the envelope of money that Shri was caught on camera handing to Tonga. Um, He... He told Newsberry in the days immediately following the hijacking that he liked Tonga and he felt like he had not been paid enough from the cab ride to from the airport to the hotel. So he said that he was just giving him like a further tip of a thousand rand to Shrian um, and it wasn't going towards the arrangement of the hijacking. Yeah. So now late... In late September, the British British Home Security ordered Shree's extradition. Shree's attorneys appealed the decision immediately, and six months later, a British judge temporarily blocked the order. He ruled that Shree suffered from an unusual combination of PTSD and depression, and to such a severe degree that extradition could present a real and significant risk to his life. One of the critical pieces of evidence against Shrian was these text messages between him and Tonga okay. about money and about arrangements. But they proved to be not true. In court, the police were forced to admit that they had computer records showing that Tonga had sent several texts to Dewani the day of Ani's murder, but they had been unable to retrieve the actual messages. It was just like what it was like what Tonga uh. was saying happened. Through though the police had seized Tonga's cell phone from his house the day after the murder, the incriminating text had apparently been deleted. Perhaps by Tonga, perhaps by the people in the house. Like, no one really knows. And the police admitted, contrary to earlier statements, they had no computer record of Duwani sending any text to Tonga during the drive. Really? So now a different scenario is starting to be presented. That Tonga had sized up the Duwani's as easy marks and arranged his accomplices for a fake hijacking in order to rob the couple of their money and valuables. By his co-conspirator, but his co-conspirators lost control of the situation and themselves, shooting Ani to death during a rape attempt. Tonga, the theory went, then incriminated Shri to reduce his own sentence, and the police, eager to recast the murder as a crime investigated by a foreign or instigated by a foreign tourist, went along with Tonga's story and even coached him on it. Really. 
that's like what the defense is like this is what they believe yeah happened. no no hey I, I feel i hear you so on 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 november 19th of 2012 monday was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in jail and 20 in july of 2014 it was confirmed that a medical parole application had been made for monday who was terminally ill with a brain tumor he was denied parole and died in jail at the goodwood center of excellence on october 18th 2014 that's what the prison was called? Goodwood Center of Excellence? That's kind of funny. I know, right? Um, Quabi was sentenced to 25 years in prison, contingent on him testifying truthfully in future legal proceedings related to the case. On November 24th, 2014, after, clo- after the close of the prosecution's case, Dewani's counsel argued for the case to be dismissed under Section 174 of the Criminal Procedure Act, citing a lack of credible evidence leaking to- linking to his client to the crime. On December 8th, the application for dismissal under Section 174 was granted by the Honorable Judge Really? Dewani was acquitted and exonerated for all involvement with the crimes. In her judgment, Traversal ruled there was no credible evidence linking Sri Dewani to the crime and explained her ruling by saying, Mr. Tonga, who was the only witness who could link the accused to this conspiracy, gave evidence to the court which is so improbable and contains so many mistakes, lies, and inconsistencies that one simply cannot know where the lies end and the truth begins. I accept that at this stage of the proceedings, the credibility of a witness plays a limited role. But in my view, the evidence of these witnesses is so replete with fundamental contradictions on the key components of the state's case that I can all but ignore it. In making this finding, I take into account that all three witnesses, Mr. Tongo, Mr. Malumbo, and Mr. Kwabi, are intelligent people and therefore are more than capable of attempting to twist their version to implicate the accused. Wow. Isn't that wild? That is wild. Okay. Because you this had is- me. Right. On the hook. The I whole know. Time. Me too. But like, did he or didn't he? Like, some people are still like on Reddit saying, like, no, he arranged it. Like, there's evidence of it that never came I don't out in court. So. But like, I'm gonna I, wa- don't know. I, I didn't watch it, admittedly. Yeah. And I probably will watch it now. Most of the time I don't watch them. Right. But I think I think that's a I don't think it would be a good enough reason to kill your wife. Like he wasn't married to her yet. Like, he didn't get anything just to hide it. But I do think that in Indian communities, being gay is, like, not as Yeah, but it's not like he was living in India. He was living in London. London, And he could always, like, go on the low. Right. Okay, but this is what pisses me off. What? I'm going to end it on a sour note. Tell me. One of the last statements that Ani's family would release is the following. On August 4th, 2018, Ani Hindocha's uncle, acting as a spokesperson for the Hindocha family in response to media reports of Sri Dewani's same-sex relationship, said, We accept that he did not murder Ani, but he lied to us and had a very secret gay life, and he owes us an apology for all of his lies. I don't think he owes you anything. Hmm. Like, I just I don't with, like, ugh. I think they're just, they were just hurt. Yeah. And I think that's why they said it like that. Um, I mean, I could see that. Like, it, he was in the closet yeah. and went through with almost, right. a, or went through with the huge with wedding, the wedding and stuff. Yeah. So I could see how they'd be hurt by it. Do they like, owe all him that money anything? on this wedding. Mm, not so much. Right. So you, I kind of think he had it arranged. I don't think so. Really? Yeah, because I feel like I put myself in his in his position. It may be because like he didn't seem as full of like grief or shock because it almost was like a sense of relief. Like you know what I mean? 
Yeah, but I'm sure he still cared for the woman. I don't know. I think I think he arranged it. I don't think he did it. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, of course, I'm just going on your narration of the story, but maybe if I watched the documentary, I could feel differently, but I don't. I don't think he did it. Wow. I just feel like, I don't know, man. So you think all of the inconsistencies in the story lead up to him being guilty? I could just see it going either way. And I lean more towards. Oh, I think now, he it's I, now it's I either way. I think he way. arranged it. I think he had enough motive to h- try to hide his like past life, and like he had to get rid of his wife anyway. I don't he think could. He was, I don't think he was. I don't think the man was dumb enough to think that it wasn't going to come out if he, that he killed her. That that was going to solve his problem. Well, I guess we're going to agree to disagree on this one. Absolutely. Wasn't a pretty good one, though? That was Thanks a good one. Thanks for the one. suggestion, guys. Yeah, you didn't good see one. those twists coming, did you? No. <gasps> that was a good one. We love a good twist. Sure do. All right, guys. Let us know what you think. Jump into the Facebook group. Um, it Just Makes Sense podcast discussion group. Let us know if you think he arranged it or not. Tweet at me, at Jeff Seif. One Jeff and one, one Jeff and Jeff. <laughs> one, one Jeff, <laughs> always. <laughs> one Jeff and Jeff. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at www.samontheboff. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at It Just Makes Sense Podcast. Um, and that's where we'll post when everything drops. But it's every Friday at 9. Like, subscribe, leave us a comment, five-star review. Thanks. Bye. Bye.